Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. And uh, this week we are covering our must-see horror, our next one along, and it is the The Babadook. Had to get that in there at least once. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah. I, was, I was loading one up for the ba-ba. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as always, thank you for checking out the show. Um, if this is your first time here, then we hope you enjoy. Um, hit the subscribe button and leave us a lovely review. It always helps us to grow. Um, so this is part of our must-see horror feature, where we pick a random film from a poster and we kind of go through it, we look at it, and we discuss whether we feel it is a must-see horror. How, what is your relationship with the Babadook? Have you seen this film before, or is this a is this a first time viewing? This was uh, this was my first time viewing. So yeah, when I, I covered it, I, I watched it uh, a little, just only like a well a week or so ago. It could be longer than that time. It's going in odd ways right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I only watched it about a week and a half ago. I'd never uh, it, it never really drawn me in. It wasn't one that I was ever like anxious to like oh i need to see that film i'd heard i'd heard lots of good things about it um but uh you know i i feel like this was the first kind of horror that was like it, it felt like that first of that major like elevated where it started getting thrown around that this is a different level of horror this is like a yeah. different kind of horror this is more a deeper kind of horror a more social context kind of horror and it's like yeah, I, there was something about that that just like, okay, yeah, you've kind of you've kind of lost me there. Then on top of it, it's a supernatural horror. So again, it's not my go-to. Um, but yeah, this was my first time viewing. I will hold back on my my thoughts and feelings for the moment. <laughs> How about you? Yeah. <laughs> well, funnily enough, this is the this is my second viewing of it. So I remember when it was released in 2014. I think I'm pretty sure it was 2014 it was released. And I remember hearing amazing things about it and checking it out kind of as soon as I I could and then this is I kind of didn't really watch it or didn't really think about it until we decided to do it as an episode and I definitely I think I had rose-tinted glasses kind of watching this film but I agree with you it's it was the first film I remember where elevated horror started to kind of be thrown around a little bit I mean horror has always been political and has always had you know social messages and has been loaded with stuff like that but it's only kind of recently that they've in the past few years that they've kind of coined the really cringe term (laughs) elevated horror (laughs) um and it it kind of feels like when people say elevated horror they're kind of like well this is you know a horror film that's separated from the usual trash that horror is or that's the kind of opinion i kind of guess that those the people who who actually use the term elevated horror and seriousness have but i remember this definitely being kind of the start of the elevated horror in in air quotations kind of this was almost what kind of gave it a bit of life i think or at the very start of it yeah i mean um, and you know our thoughts on elevated horror. I mean, uh, go back and check out our um, horror hot takes episode. Yes, <laughs> uh, for some of our controversial opinions that include links to that kind of yeah. elevated horror and A twenty four, kind of one of the comp- major companies involved with it. And, 
Yeah, we, we'll go go and check out those controversial opinions. Um, Definitely, yeah. <laughs> if you're still here. After. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. This might be this podcast might literally have no viewers left at this point in time. When <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after you've listened to that episode, we might just be talking to each other, which is fine. That's how it started. <laughs> that's how it started. That's how it will be. That's how it started. We, we, will, we will rebuild our world. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. So I think. It's obviously this is an Australian horror film. Um, it was kind of it was written and produced, uh, well, written and directed by Jennifer Kent, who based it on a short film that she did. And I always think it's 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 really cool when somebody creates a, a short film and then goes on to make a much bigger film from this. The ones that spring to mind, are obviously, Evil Dead, which. I think Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell filmed as Cabin in the Woods and then went to take that to producers and were able to make the Evil Dead from that. Yeah. Um, even another... even um, uh, Pede uh, uh, Alvarez, or however it's pronounced, uh, even he made like a short that was the reason that they, that was related yeah. to Evil Dead, which was part of the reason why they hired him to make the, the remake or yeah. reboot or whatever you call it of his Evil Dead as well. And then you've got Lights Out as well, which was a, which started as a short film and then spawned into a, a feature length. And I, I think it's interesting because with short films, uh, a lot of the times the, the focus is on maybe delivering maybe 15, 20 minutes of a story. So often the themes in that are quite thick, you know, um, for instance, Lights Out, apparently, I've never seen the, the original short, but apparently the short film was incredible. And then when it became a feature film, a lot of people thought it was kind of stress, stretched out and a bit thin. And I, I haven't yeah. seen Monster, so I can't comment on how this is. But one film, one, I mean, jumping straight into the film, it was a success. You know, it's running times 94 minutes and its budget was around two million dollars and it went on to make around 10 and a half 11 million uh, but it is a, it's a slow burn isn't it it's a very it slow burn it is a very slow burn um the, the horror aspects kind of take a little while to kind of get there kind of thing uh there is like a, a building tension throughout the film um, yeah, kind of linked to that kind of the, the the start with the her and the kind of flashes we get with her and her husband. Um, yeah, you know, talking about the the main characters. If I just go over to the little cast of this film, so we've got Essie Davis as Amelia Vanek, our main character, and then we've got Noah Wiseman as Samuel Vanek. Now. I mean, really, I mean, everyone else apart from that is kind of just add-ons. There's, you don't spend a yeah. huge amount of time with anyone but them, really. Um, you know, we, we get... Uh, you get is it her, her sister, sister a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, her neighbor, sister Claire, uh, the neighbour, and then you also get, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Daniel uh, Henshaw as, uh, as Robbie, who works with her for a little bit, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, one of those characters that seems like he's built up Maybe it was going to be more in the film, but he kind of then just disappears later on a little bit. I, yeah, I just thought he was in there just trying to pipe. That's kind yeah, of no, that's the impression what it was. I yeah, got. Yeah. Robbie, yeah. And I, and I thought, is he going to come into it a bit? You know, is he going to be a bit more of an integral part of the story? But instead, I just felt like, because, um, you know, uh, uh, Essie Davis's Amelia Vanek is, is so, I think she is incredible in this film. 
and she yeah. plays this kind of grieving, you know, emotionally drained kind of almost like shell of a woman, you know. Um, and she's incredible. And then I just felt like the the one character they brought in, <laughs> well, who is kind of trying to be supportive of her, came off as if he was just trying to lay pipe. You know, I was yeah, kind yeah. of like, yeah, what's going he on? Did feel like, yeah, the whole time we felt like you because they both work at care facility together, and um, yeah. from the look of it, he seems to be one of the few males that's around anyway, of around yeah. <laughs> around her age. I mean, he even looked like he might have been slightly younger than her, maybe, but. I'm not sure it might just be more that she's just obviously in a bad part of her life and looking a little bit very tired all of the time throughout the film, which is a nice yeah. part of it that they constantly kind of give her this kind of like, she looks broken as you'd expect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he did constantly, uh, the Robbie character working with her every time it was like, he's like, he's doing nice things to her. Like, oh yeah, you can go ahead. You can leave early. I'll cover for you and things like that. And yeah, I don't know if it's just our male psyche going, He's just trying to pipe in. <laughs> he is, he's just laying the groundwork for the pipe that needs to be laid later on. Effectively, yeah. <laughs> That's what it came off like, didn't it? It was just yeah. like, I don't know. And then he doesn't, I didn't really think we, we got him a whole lot. Um, I was, exp- I, like, yeah, it's, it's weird that we've started with this character, that kind of, but it's just more to lay that like, because I feel like the other the the mother and son is the main kind of focus that we're going to have here. But he, I I was expecting him to be set up a certain like more like he might get more involved in the kind of horror yeah. element, or that he might be a character that dies later on in the, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. But he is pretty much purely there more to show like the the lack of. He's more for the kind of actually the the, the life of um, the mum. Uh, why am I just blanked on her name? The mum's name is Essie. Uh, Essie, yeah. No, no, that's the actress. No, that's the actress. Amelia. I was going to say, yeah, I was thinking Amelia. That was it, Amelia. Um, he's kind of just to show that Amelia's life is, you know, lacking in anything but her son, basically. Like she yeah. doesn't really have time for anything, and she's he's also kind of just there to show how bad, like things have kind of got in that relationship that she's got with her son, but also her kind of mental health at the same time. I think, yeah. That kind of how strange she is, like that moment with him, his character, where it kind of shows that she's kind of broken down and like he thinks you suddenly see his like face change as if he's like, oh, I don't know if I can be around this kind of thing. It's more to show the struggle of the single mother than it is to show a horror. He's in another, which I guess is good because in another film, he probably would be cannon fodder to be someone, yeah. (laughs) He would have been around just to be like one of the victims of the Babadook. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What did you think about um, Noah Wiseman as Samuel Vanek? Because there's, I'll let, I'll let you have your thoughts before I, I I drop my kind of slightly hot take on him. <laughs> there, there is a yeah. I've got to be honest, there is a there is a cross there with him that you feel because um, one, it's like this is a this is a child actor doing a role of like a bratty child, and therefore because of the role he's playing, you feel kind of like oh, he's fucking annoying, isn't he? <laughs> he was like he, I, I found him quite often to be quite uh, grating. But then okay. at the same time, I think that's the point because he's meant to be a little bit grating at times. His, his, his acting, but again, it could be because of the Australian or that kind of, you know, that kind of Kiwi kind of like, I know that's more New Zealand, but it's that kind of regions that these actors are from, kind of from, um, yeah. that you kind of get with it. 
it's might be because it's not one that we used to outside of over here in the UK watching an episode of Neighbours Rip. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, outside of that, it's it's kind of you can't you, you sound like his. I feel like part of it felt like his dialogue every time he talked felt a little bit off. Like it felt like a little bit uh, not quite like he was reading something from behind someone or something like that. So it was a little bit back and forth. Like at points I thought his his fear that he showed and his anger were really good. It's just occasionally the dialogue and stuff like that. But as a character, uh, yeah, he is... Um, Sam is 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 quite an, an annoying character, but I believe it is makes sense within the film. What's yeah. your hot take? Well, my kind of when I originally watched this in, in 2014 and it first came out, I hated the little fucker. I was like, God, yeah. God. I was like his mum. I was thinking, fuck's sake, why can't you shut up? You know? Yeah, and I yeah. was like that. Um but that was, you know, that was what eight years ago my maths is terrible that was like eight years ago yeah eight years um, ago. and watching it back and in terms of you know act acting wise i think i agree with you some of his stuff was definitely some of his performance had stronger parts than others i, I think he's only had three roles i think I, I i googled it because i thought he's he's given a, a very extensive role and very he is, you know, for his age he's yeah. given an extensive role so i i understand it <laughs> yeah and it's very labour heavy in terms of, you know, he, he does a lot in the scene. So I yeah. thought maybe he'd have had a, you know, carried on. But I think he only did like another film after this. Well, this is definitely his biggest film. But in terms of the actual character, I, by the time I watched it, by the credits rolled the second time, I, I felt that he was actually a really sympathetic figure. I, um, mm. I, I saw a lot of lists, you know, when we were doing... Um, kind of previous stuff about annoying characters um and he you know was on quite a lot of those lists as being this annoying character that people kind of didn't like um but by the end or even halfway through i just felt extremely sympathetic for this guy for this yeah. kid you know he's his his dad died when you know his mum was getting taken to the you know the um hospital so he could be born and uh so he never you know he never grew up without a father he's clearly got some kind of or i feel like he's clearly got some kind of like adhd or something like that he's definitely got behavioral problems you know yeah. his mum is like his mum's pretty absent and pretty emotionally distant and yeah, yeah i no. just felt yeah i felt extremely sympathetic no, I, I, no I, to, I actually totally agree with you although I said I think it can both be it can be the same it, you can find him grating and annoying because that yeah. is technically what he's meant to be and in a way that's kind of what his mum feels towards yeah, you him can see that. so you can understand why that's there but just because I find him great and annoying that doesn't mean that I don't actually understand the character I under, like, yeah. I feel like the character is um, is actually quite well made because as you said about the father but also about the fact that he's like a constant reminder to his mum of death yeah. of, of her husband and so she never really truly bonded with this child and mum is struggling you know with her like mental health is a major part of what she's struggling with the grief that she's yeah. still not through and she still hasn't really accepted the death of the father that happens you know we kind of see that flashes at the start of the film and we get little flashes yeah. throughout the film of um oscar which is her, the, the dad who dies in the car accident um we get little flashes of that throughout the film but yeah with him 
we def I definitely think you uh, you understand and you understand by the he kind of goes on a little bit of a journey along with mum because he he at times it starts to feel like at times he even under understands his mum by the end of the film yeah um, a little bit more as if they had to go through this major trauma together to kind of understand each other a little bit more that his mum is struggling with something that is beyond beyond even like explanation. You know, the, yeah. the depression that she's dealing with, that kind of dark force that obviously this film is a major kind of theme throughout this film, that the Babadook is almost part of that kind of idea. Um, and we have that with him that I, I think he kind of understands that. But yeah, no, I, I definitely felt sorry for him. I feel like um, as uh, this, this one, this is interesting, this film, because for me, it's like... Um, Cause, cause I had a, cause I've had single mum and things like that. And I grew up with that kind of thing. And I grew up with a yeah. mum who like, you know, um, who I like, had depression and things like that. I kind of, I definitely got this one. There was a lot that I really liked about the, the theme that I think really made sense of what the Babadook is. And I really yeah. kind of got that kind of deeper level on this. And yeah, that's why I kind of like, this is one of those ones where, if you go back to horror hot takes and I said, like, I feel like they half asked the, uh, the kind of things they tried to shoehorn in. Yeah. I feel like this was almost designed as almost a drama about a father, like a mother and a son, but they wanted to show something to really represent that kind of darker force that is surrounding their relationship. The, the depression that is all around the mum and the problem and her grief and being able to let it go. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this one perfectly kind of rounds that kind of thing. I do have problems towards the end of the film with it um, because I feel like it was re it's really strong through most of the film, those themes and the yeah. story it lays out. So this is one of the ones where it's definitely more like, although it almost feels like the start of elevated horror to come back to that little bit, it's not, um, as a film, I, do, I think it's not really... Um, it, it, I don't like the term elevated with with certain ones because some of them I think actually pull it off quite well. Whereas elevated, I have got a bad thought in my mind of why like elevated is like half-assed drama, half-assed horror. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. So back to you. No, then. no. I think you. I think you kind of hit it on the head there. It's it's a film which is very heavily, you know, plays with its themes and visually looks incredible for the most part and it i think it is a really well made film but it and it does come off as almost more of a drama than it does a horror film i mean in terms of the actual storyline it's relatively straight you know it's relatively straightforward yeah. there aren't massive set pieces and there's not you know huge moments it does feel extremely slow and it is an extremely slow film um not to the point where i found myself kind of getting bored with it um, but more in terms of it spends a long time building uh yeah and it does really it it lays on its uh themes quite thick and fast i think it, it takes quite a while but eventually we do get to the uh introduction of the babadook with the you know the mysterious kind of story of mr babadook and how you know he wants to uh read he, he you know uh, he wants his mum to read it to him and i do actually think the book itself um is really kind of quite cool the way in which it kind of 
it is told. But in terms of uh, actual kind of pacing, it is an extremely slow film, and it doesn't really have, uh, you know, I would say large set pieces or large kind of massive yeah. plot points or turns. Once it kind of introduces the Babadook, it's just a slow build no, I, I think until it, the end. I think you're right. It's much more in the, I mean, it's much more kind of in the delicacy, delicate of like, it's a much more a character study of, um, you know, of Amelia um, and her yeah. kind of relationship. And so I guess telling that story, it's hard not to, for it not to be kind of a slow build kind of thing. Cause yeah. it, it's try. I think before it can introduce this kind of overwhelming, like, uh, problem of what they have with the Babadook, they they do have to lay the groundwork quite clearly of like what is what is the problem between this mother and son? What is the problem in their life? Like what is life like for them on a daily basis? So it does it does a, it does a great job in terms of character. Yeah. Um, but I definitely get what you mean with the the kind of the slowness. I think this film is one where so it, it was like a t- it was like made like ten and a half million, didn't it, off of two yeah. million? You, like you mentioned earlier. Um, so although although a big hit off of two million, the ten million, it also means that it was still actually wasn't probably seen by huge amounts of people. So yeah. like worldwide, like the ten million is not. If you had that just in America, that's like quite a bit. But worldwide, that's quite a that's still not a huge amount of people that have actually seen this film, kind of thing. No, um, it's not. And it make it makes sense within that. Like we, this is mu- to go back to our like feature. This is must see horror because this is on our list of must see horror films. Um, and I definitely understand why it definitely stands out as a quite a different kind of horror film than you might expect. Um, yeah. But from when I remember seeing it as marketed, I will admit the marketing for this film definitely sold it as a little bit more Babadook heavy than the film itself actually yes. is. Um, it sold that creature and that creepiness quite a bit. And really, we only get like a few scenes sketched for out. Most of it is more yeah. building tension throughout the film, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, once the Babadook's introduced, you know... Um, and I think I can't remember the exact story. I'm trying to I'm trying to find it, but I, it's really you know uh, just putting in Mr. Babadook's story just brings you back around to the film. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you know the actual story is kind of that she reads to him is quite cool, and I do I do I do think it starts to build the tension. But yeah. it is very, it's very much when people say. You know, there's there's this meme about A24 films where it's like, you know, I want one ticket to the next, you know, um, slow, slow build, creeping tension, blood curdling horror, no blood or CGI used film, please. It's kind of like that. It's more, it's, you know, once we hear about the Babadook, it starts to be there. But the Babadook is, you know, it's, it's more of that kind of metaphor. I feel yeah. Well, that's it's, what it is. It's because obviously, um, w- when we first did this, was the idea was to do this as a divisive horror. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, and it's a horror because uh, if you look online, there's actually mainly like audience praise and critics praise are actually quite high for this film. Um, but I also know that there's definitely an area online that are definitely like, oh, that's a very overrated kind of horror film. And, yeah. um, and it's hard to say because it's hard that balance because we don't want to be these kind of um, basic bitch horror, horror, uh, horror fans who are just <laughs> like, 
uh, I only want basically Jason splattering someone's guts, or I want like full on gore in my horror. Yeah. Why that's not, and I, you know, I don't want uh, I don't want my slow character builds kind of thing. Like, uh, yeah, uh, to, to go back to to our very recent, but it feels like it feels like a very fitting example of the fact of um, the amount of people I still see online who talk about Halloween ends and the fact that people couldn't take the fact that it was different and it was a slow build character study and it's like that and it's like. No, us, us horror fans loved that kind of idea of a yeah. slow build. And, and we've all said many times, we like most of it. The problem is that it's a convoluted mess. It's not, it's not the fact that it's a character study, because something like this, The yeah. Babadook, is a well-formed character study. With, uh, it's the fact that it was the wrong film made for the wrong time. You see, I'll be like, it was not, yeah. did not match up with the rest of what made it happen. It's not the fact that most of us fans can't accept a nice slow build kind of horror, because we definitely enjoy them. But I think it definitely depends on, you've got to make sure that your audience is aware of what you're going to be seeing. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think it's one thing is that they do kind of, trailers are kind of a rough rough i know yeah like you tend to avoid them yeah, um and, and i i remember seeing the marketing for this film and as i said it was quite babadook heavy but you know still with that kind of comparison there you know it's just like halloween ends sold as a michael versus laurie movie and then it was fucking not it was nothing it, that was not the film we got why do you think yeah. people are disappointed um and babadook it kind of sold a lot of the Babadook and it didn't quite sell as clearly this kind of slow build film. So I can understand the device of nature with some people, um, but I feel like this is mainly a quite critically and audience kind of loved kind of art because when we do get the Babadook, um, our creature who is uh, as described, you know, the Babadook, a tall, pale faced humanoid in a top hat with talent yeah. fingers, which torments its victims as they become aware of its existence. So that's kind of the basic that we get within the book. And you, you kind of start to see the, the, the strange things like you see the Babadook and it's given with nice rhymes and things like that. But as the book goes on, you start to see more and more kind of violent things that it does or the fact that it seems to actually, it's yeah. like, almost like the book is recognizing that they're reading it. And yeah, the Babadook, it kind of gets closer and closer kind of in that, like, you know, that flip book kind of style as well. And it seems like it almost starts to feel like the Babadook is coming at them. And obviously the mum is like, what the fuck is happening here? What is this book? Where did you yeah. get it from? And um, I do kind of, I think that the, the Babadook, you know, and the, the metaphor of it working, I think is brilliantly done. Um, you know, I've I've read quite a few different things online, and there's you know there's uh, there's a lot of stuff about it being you know for the kind of depression and for her grief, and I think the grief is the is the one that I think is the kind of best because as the film kind of goes, it it does kind of happen in you know in the stages of grief you know we we get denial at the start because you know amelia's doesn't believe that it's happening and is trying to ignore it and get rid of it and but it keeps coming back stronger and then we get anger where you know it starts making her not be able to sleep and it starts making her kind of have these violent thoughts and then she starts snapping at you know at, yeah. um samuel and then we get you know fear where we have, and i think the fear stage is when the the horror of the film starts to properly kind of you know come into play i think that yeah. is the that's the Definitely. jumping point for the kind of the last third of the film i would say and that's obviously 
one of my favorite scenes so th this is why i say it's a bit of a hard film to talk about like plot wise yeah. because it basically is just it's a straightforward like i think it is the yeah. kind of deep part but uh, one, one thing i was just noticing is a nice part is um as you said with the build of the film but it's also those stages of grief are also shown in her reaction with sam uh, how yeah. she acts with sam so like we get the start like he's obviously had problems for a while at the start of the film because we get the yeah. things with the school but mum only seems to just be doing something about it so we get the denial that mum is kind of just acting as if like she knows about it, but she's not really trying to do much in terms of change much things with him. So you kind of got the denial. And then obviously in the office, when it's kind of made clear what's going to happen, then we get yeah. the anger come out of her and that anger kind of goes towards Sam, you know, and then we get the people who are coming to check on the house. So we get the fear that suddenly, oh, I might lose him. And yeah. those stages are shown with Sam's relationship as well as her herself of how she's dealing with her husband. So there's that nice reflection that we get with the characters. And I know we can't talk about like the, the plot, as we said, it kind of just moves through daily life kind of thing. But there's definitely yeah. so with like the relationships of the characters we can get. And I also think the Babadook. So the Babadook, uh, the way that it's laid out is we kind of, we do get that kind of classic. I think the thing that makes it work well is the fact that it is the classic slow build of, of suspense. It's the, it's the, it's the shark in Jaws. It's, you yeah. know, it's the, it's the slow kind of events that kind of slowly changing things around them that starts yeah. to make a question for things like when she's washing the dishes and she sees the Babadook across in, in the old lady's house across the, over the way. Yeah, that which is all. Yeah, it, it, it's those little touches that uh, this, the Babadook I do think is one of those ones where it, it really wouldn't have worked if we'd had too much of him. No, I agree with you. I think it, it peppers him throughout and it is a, you know, it is that slow build. And I think it it's it's odd because the first time I watched this, I remember kind of being on the edge of my seat and being terrified for a lot of it. Yeah. But then the second time watching it most recently, I didn't find myself really as tense or as scared as I was. And yeah. I found like the Babadook himself kind of looked a bit like shit compared to how i remember him being <laughs> there was a scene there is a scene where um you know throughout the film we get uh we get you know like the doors opening while she's sleeping and we get kind of little creepy bits like that but there was one where you know she hears the door open and uh amelia looks and then she sees the babadook enter into the room and kind of hide yeah, and whilst yeah. watching it this time i thought fuck that is i remember that being really tense um that's, I, that's I find amazing. yeah that's amazing and it's, i find uh, that, yeah oh, first <laughs> well i was just gonna say i find that like um the best horror films kind of have that effect on you uh, they play on your mind and i know that that feeling of yeah, thinking somebody's coming into the room. Like recently, I said to you, I watched, uh, I watched Satan's Slaves. I watched the first one, and I, I thought it was scary whilst watching it. But when I was going to bed, that's when it kind of hit me, and I was thinking, if I turn the lights out, I'm going to see a fucking ghost. I know it. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of got into bed, and I was like, there's got to be one stood over my bed watching me. I know. 
So yeah. that kind of fear is, I, I think I, it's a, is great. It is, and it, it, but it's hard with these kind of films because these kind of films are playing on what you don't know and what you yes. don't know is going to happen. And, you know, unlike certain films like your standard slashes and things like that, where it's kind of like, well, part of the fun is just we can get to see these people die again and again and again. Yeah. Doesn't work with these kind of films. Like these kind of films, they have rewatch value in a certain way. I'd say almost the character part of this film is a rewatch value. But if you're watching again and you already kind of know what's going to happen or you kind of already know, like it's definitely not going to be as effective the second time around. Yes. Uh, the first, like, as I said, as this was my first viewing, like, that bedroom scene I thought was very quite terrified. The idea of hiding under your bed, but you're still hearing those noises coming. Yeah. You hear the bad, bad dude. Like kind of, you hear those noise. And, and the fact is, is, it feels, it felt quite long that scene, but not in a bad way. It kind of felt like you're, it's really drawing out the fact you you kind of want it to stop. Yeah. And, and that's why, I, that's definitely for me was the most effective scare in the whole film was that scene. Um, yeah, that was just ter- like because the way you see him kind of slip into the room, and I'll admit he he does look odd, he does look odd, and you know in a certain way. But that's why I think again it's it's why it's so important that this character was kept to a minimum. If we had seen yeah. his face really constantly clearly, that's why he's normally in the background or for dis- far distances. I think because if you get a close up look of him, it's suddenly like oh that yeah, it's not quite as effective like kind of thing. It's yeah. because the black and the white kind of gives a kind of hiding. So you can't completely early in the film, like when you see him across in the old lady's house, you can't quite make out to find features. Yeah. This is definitely a creature. And, and I, I do know um, that uh, Jessica Kind has said that she uh, she won't allow a sequel to this film to be made. Because well, you she don't need a sequel. No, you don't. But again, it was a hit and they've asked, yeah. obviously, about a sequel. And, and I think studios have even said, can we make us, you know, and, and she's been like, well, no, because, and I, I think for several reasons. One is this is this is a specific, yes, you could tell other tales of how the Babadook has hunted down other people because it is, it is an implied that this is the only yeah. time. So yes, you could do that. Um, but at the same time, I do think that this one character of the Babadook, who, who Babadook, <laughs> the, <Baba> Duke. <laughs> the, the Duke baby, shoot, baby, the Duke shoot. <laughs> um, yeah. I do think this one character of the Babadook, um, although he's become quite a popular kind of imagery of horror, you know, a lot of people kind of point out the Babadook now as like in their horror icons kind of list, yeah. you know, not not the not the majors, but he gets quite a few mentions, but. Again, it's, it's, it's the look of him. The, the more we find out about him, just like any other, we can all admit that most of our horror icons have all been like played out so many times that they've lost the original scare factor that they maybe had in their yeah. original film. It happens, Probably, obviously. Yeah. And yeah, I could see how a sequel could work, but I totally agree with her that the more she uses this character, that, that sound and that part, it's, it's like um, my closest one I can think of is something like The Grudge. Yeah. That the noise, you know, the ah, that kind of part of it yeah. is it's something that in the original one worked really well. It was creepy, but the more you got of it, the more it started to be a bit like, okay, weird twisty body and making a creepy, creaky noise, but yeah, yeah. okay. But but what else you got now kind of thing? And, and it's that exactly. effect that we'll have with the Babadook. But um, it's still for this one film and this kind of the darkness and the black and white of the character kind of works really well for that. Like we've said, that that grief and the depression that comes with that grief, like it's a really nice kind of theme that plays into it. Yeah. And I think just kind of touching on that point about, sh- you know, showing too much, 
I think outside of maybe slasher films and probably I would say probably action films, you know, or action horror, mainly thinking aliens, um, it's really hard to not show your hand too early because once you've shown the monster, like you said, you get the initial fear factor of, oh, fucking hell. And for instance, the best one that comes to mind is Jaws, you know, when uh, yeah. when Brody's chumming and then we see it. We, that's probably the first time we properly see Jaws the shark. Um, and uh, <laughs> But it's almost... It's, the Bruce. The Bruce. But it's almost, you know, showing it once you've once you've played your hand, you can't unplay it without people knowing what it looks like. So I think with monster films, it's really it's really difficult once you've shown the monster to almost keep that same layer of intrigue and mystery and, and in a way fear, you know? I mean yeah. slasher films, you're watching for the kill, so you're you're pretty much always going to see the monster and there's you can get cool designs and stuff like that but they kind of stop you know they stop losing they stop their appeal and they more become fan favorites like well if i'm watching a friday the 13th film i'm often watching because i want to see jason kill people not because yeah. i want i'm watching for the story or i, I particularly <laughs> want the you know the final girl to survive. Yeah, so there definitely are the yeah. intricacies of character development in a Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> yes, that is it. But it's it's that point of when to show your hand, and I think this film it does it well. And I think this you know this scene is very much the the shifting point of the film. It goes from it being okay. It's, it's like in all of these films, there's a certain level of denial. You know where you first get a haunting or you first get something like that and people think, oh, no, it's not happening, it's X, Y, Z. Yeah. This film is, is this scene is that point of uh, Amelia now has seen the Babadook. She now has experience with the Babadook and she yeah, now she believes in it. it. Yeah, she, she can, can feel, feel it nearby her. It's in the house. So it's almost like, you know, where do we go from, uh, where do we go from here? Um, yeah. And, I've, and that's obviously when the, when the pace starts to, pick up and we we almost get Amelia isolating herself you know cutting the phone line because she doesn't want any help she's doing you know she's brandishing a knife at her child and there and that's one of the things that I find is I find that the the true kind of terror and horror of this film isn't really in the Babadook for me it's not in those scenes it's it's in the moments between characters I mean the two points yeah. that kind of maybe the three three scenes that get to me the most is obviously when he when she's waving a knife at you know at sam and you think a lot of people you know hate on sam because of how how he behaves but you're thinking if your mother is brandishing a knife at you yeah. <laughs> like how, how traumatic would that be yeah and it, it's just horrid and it's just uncomfortable to watch and then there's the scene where you know there uh you know she's she's driving and he's kicking off and then ultimately she crashes you know that it I don't know why it's just I think something about being young and you know having this kind of responsibility and trust that your mum's going to keep you safe and then the scene where they go to her sister Claire's kid's birthday party um and you know they uh Sam is telling them about his cousin about the Babadook and you know he pushes her out of the uh out of the treehouse and then 
and then her sister says you know that she can't stand to be near him and she hates him and and it, it just got to me because i thought imagine hearing like your own sibling talk about your child like that you know yeah. it must be so heartbreaking and so yeah. hard to hit deal with and, and i was watching the daughter was, was a brat <laughs> the daughter was a brat but you know it was so uncomfortable and so yeah. hard to deal with i think that's that's part of this and this and it's again it's what certain people might not love it and to be honest it is a certain subtlety because it's an australian film it's a certain this is a certain subtlety i think you tend to get more in a gotta be honest british australian or more uh what you maybe european or things like yeah. that kind of filmmaking um american cinema doesn't tend to always embrace this real uncomfortability that we all get in life but yeah. they, they, they the, a lot of i don't see it as often in american filmmaking um this kind of kind of bearing the reality of like a lot of these scenes are things that i feel like maybe you you've seen not not so much the knife one but yeah. you know the the, the tension between um the tension between the families kind of thing. The yeah. um, the idea that um, all of the mums are talking behind her back because she's the single one that doesn't have the yeah. support of everyone else. You can feel how, you you feel for her, how she is like, everyone's treating her like she's the odd one, that, oh, she's yeah. brief. But they're also treating her like, oh, well, it's been like, it's been like a few years, like, shouldn't she be over it by now kind of thing? Like, it's, you know, that idea yeah. that she hasn't been able to pick up her life and that she's the, she's the unstable one of the group kind of thing. And, and I definitely get that. I've seen, I've seen firsthand that kind of the way that people can act like that. So you, it's definitely the uncomfortability of the film. That I think yeah. adds it adds something to it because it's it's not the horror it's almost the horrors of real life you know yeah. what I mean the horrors yeah. that we all kind of occasionally have to suffer through of how people can act or the way that people will just automatically assume things about people um, that yeah. we get these horrible moments from it and this film is full of those kind of moments like those uncomfortable moments of you know when the the social workers come over to check on the mum and you kind of get yeah. this like everything before they've shown up everything that could go wrong for her is kind of going wrong uh, yeah, you know she's got like termites coming out the walls and she's just broken something and and she can't quite like sam's just gone off somewhere and saying he's hungry because he was ill and you've got all yeah. of those moments like it's like everything that could go wrong and, and you're like yeah everyone's had one of those moments or one of those days where it's like everything that could make me look bad right now has just made me look bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I look like an asshole or I look, I look like I'm completely devoid of any kind of humanity right now because yeah. everything that's gone wrong could. Um, and, and what it helps with how you feel towards Amelia and Sam as well, yeah. um, that they are both kind of isolated. It feels like they haven't really got any major support outside of them. They only have each other. Um, and sadly they're both quite unstable so that's not a great amount of stability yeah, for either of them and they haven't yeah. got the father and obviously the link to the father kind of plays a big bit especially later on when we kind of get Oscar um, the father kind of um, return but as a version of the Babadook which is kind of which used is, against mother yeah. well that's <laughs> where the fourth kind of stage of the grief with the, the bargaining comes in you know saying if you give me the boy you know everything yeah. will be fine it, it kind of made me, it hammered the point home, I think, that a lot of Amelia's kind of resentments towards Sam do, do kind of stem from the fact that she 
in a way, because obviously she was going to give birth to him, she almost holds him, you know, she almost holds Sam responsible for the loss of her husband, which is quite a, um, you know, quite a heavy, yeah, again, it's another heavy point in this film. Yeah. But, and I think, I think as a metaphor, I think, uh, you know, as the film itself is, is just, it's so well done um, in terms of getting that point across and, it's just I feel like it gets a little light on the on the scares and on the horror in certain points. I think once we see the Babadook, the first, like I said, the first time I watched this, I was genuinely oh fucking hell, I was shitting my pants. Um, <laughs> but the second time, once I saw the Babadook, I kind of thought it looks a little bit shit, which is a bit weird to say because I don't know what it was, but it was I you know. I saw it and I was kind of like, it just, it looks really, it looked, I felt like it looked quite poor and it took away large aspects of the horror because I saw I it. I was afraid. I thought you said it looked like it looked quite porny. Not no, it was like porny. Poor, <laughs> not poor. I thought you said porny, like as if you're like. <laughs> it looked erect. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, I, I totally get that. I definitely think it. I think it is, a, as I said before, about it being less effective, but uh, like maybe the same time. But I also think it's situational. Like, didn't you, you didn't you see this in the cinema when it was released? No, I, I watched it. Oh right, I watched this on home home video via the high seas. Um, ah, I see. Yeah, the, the yeah. high seas of uh, the online media. Yeah. Um, online media, yeah. Yeah, the but but still, like I do think it's also like um, like I told you um, about me watching the ho- uh, host, not the host, yeah. host different films, the host, um, host <laughs> the the Zoom based, which is interesting because that's how we're recording right now. But the Zoom based horror um, for the first time, which is a nice short one, um, but again, it's it's one of those things. I watched it and it was. It was all about the timing of when I watched it. Like, again, it's not one that I thought would really get me, but because I was watching it, like, in the middle of the night and I had things going bump and bang and, like, and I was quite drawn in, it it was really effective and things like that. And I still thought it was effective, but I watched it, like, a day later with Charlotte. And, obviously, it's one of those things that's, like, once I'd seen it, I was, like, I was kind of more, like, looking on Charlotte's reaction than mine. And for some reason, yeah. like even with Charlotte, like a film that I thought, well, this kind of creeped me out, but it doesn't like, and it didn't it, a few bits, but it actually didn't do, it didn't creep her out too much. And yeah. I was like, oh, I was surprised. I was like, I think it's because I watched it like dark by myself in a really dark room and things like that. And I was yeah. just me and it was late at night. Whereas with her, it was more like we did it a little bit earlier, earlier, not day, but it was like early evening and it, I was yeah. there and we were doing other stuff and the lights were on and, you know, and it does show that like horror can really have a major effect on how you watch it. You know, if you're someone watching a horror film and you're watching it on your mobile phone, then you sicken me. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, because of course anyone who watches it, and I do think it's, it's totally based on, I do think some of horror it almost like certain horror films need to be watched in certain things. I imagine this would have been pretty damn creepy in a cinema. Um, yeah, and, but I mean, cinema know, always needs to elevate things, I think. You know? Yeah, it definitely it elevates the sound. It elevates, you know, I just think it's one of those things. But it's also just situational. I think like if you're watching certain horror films, but you're watching it in the middle of the day, you know, whilst yeah. looking on your phone or whilst doing work or things like that, then of course you're going to go away and go, 
Yeah, it was all right. It's like, yeah, because we probably weren't fully paying attention and you didn't really set yourself up to be in that kind of mood. And yeah, I agree. Oh, the greatest horror films ever made isn't going to make you feel creeped out if you're watching it at like lunchtime while scoffing down a pizza and mid and mid paying attention. You know, what I mean, there's no yeah. film in history you could leave watching I don't know, The Godfather or Jaws actually to talk about a masterpiece of a film and be like, yeah. It was all right, the first view, because it's like, yeah, because you didn't really put yourself in yeah, a situation yeah. to enjoy it, did you? Yeah, you know I think I mean? setting does play a huge part. I mean, yeah, like Jaws, go go sit by the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch it and stream on your laptop, and then go get, yeah. on, get in the water and see if it had an effect on you. <laughs> do it in the, yeah, do it in the dinghy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I just I got a vision just... of Rum Ham. <laughs> Rum Ham, yeah. Rum Ham. Uh, <laughs> ah, floating along watching it whilst watching Jaws while eating rum hat <laughs> that, that'd be a dream man um, I think to kind of get back to it and to kind of touch on the final part yeah. of the film because like you said it's plot wise it's not in depth so there's not massive scenes to no. that we could talk about it's, it's character in depth it's not character, so much plot yeah. yeah so to get back to it once you know um, Amelia realises that this version of Oscar which is offering her this bargain um is the Babadook you know she kind of flees and then is eventually possessed by it um and then it, it kind of gets a bit the shining doesn't it you know um she starts trying to well first she snaps the dog's neck which is fucking rough um, that, that yeah that that scene is traumatizing I don't know why I don't know why I, kept, I did kept thinking throughout the film this dog's gonna die and I don't know why there was yeah. a circle about the layer the setup of the dog that was just like because the dog was a bit of a like a uh kind of uh just constant little barking little kind of under their feet kind of thing i felt like yeah he's constantly in the way and she'll want to get him out of the way uh but it's a, it's a brutal scene like breaking his neck or and your thing. own pet like there's this there's a weird feeling where like you 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 get such an attachment to your pets that yeah it's for me i find it like hard to tell them off like i i so i play video games in one room of the house and carrie follows me everywhere and she you know she wants she chews the cable so i'm constantly having to like pick her up and move her and i haven't i haven't got the heart to shout at her and tell her no i haven't got the heart to do it and the heart to do that or or to break her neck (laughs) i haven't got the heart but even you know um i was telling you that this i was re-corking the uh the bathtub yesterday this is a little behind the scenes look into the uh the the high life of the The glamorous life yeah the glamorous life we live i was re-corking the bath so i had to fill it with water so i filled it up um and you have to like leave it for 24 hours so it sets so that happened and this morning I, you know I, I went to the i went to the bathroom i went to the toilet um and uh carrie jumped on the side of the bath like half curious about what was going on why this bathtub was full of water and it's cold at the moment so the water was quite cold and i thought it would be quite funny if i pushed her into the water <laughs> but then there's part of me that thought how could i think something and was just thinking no i can't do that i can't do that to my baby <laughs> So the thought of, you know, becoming possessed by the Babadook and snapping <laughs> the dog's neck is so, so horrid. You, you and will it's now made... have uh, Peter at your door taking, and who will take Carrie to better care. I will. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll riddle me with bullets and then take them away. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was like, a, I think that scene is is grim and it's, for, it's foreshadowed in the film. You know, we do see an earlier moment where she's reading the the 
the pop the pop up Babadook story, which keeps coming back no matter how much she destroys it. Yeah. Um, or tries to get it's rid of it. Very cool. Like she burns it, she she rips it up, and it just keeps yeah. going back. And it's really cool. Um, and it's a great metaphor. Um, and it's foreshadowed in there. And then obviously. It's it's kind of the, the the last part of the film is almost I don't know if you got this, but it has a bit of a vibe of what if um, Jack Torrance was in the Overlook Hotel trying to hunt down Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, you know, <laughs> she kind of, everywhere she's chasing Sam, he's got some kind of line of defense against the Babadook and it even gets yeah. to a point where I mean, it's it is... like a law. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're right. He is kind of played up. He he, he is already he's like planning his attacks, isn't he, throughout the film? Like once he starts to learn about the Babadook and has things like he has a seizure and stuff like that at one point because he sees the Babadook and he keeps planning these little things and they all do come into play in like little parts towards the end of the film. Um, yeah, no, it is quite. I get that. I definitely get that. <laughs> the shining, yes, yeah. yeah. um, The um, I was just gonna say with the the. The dog, um, isn't the dog the only victim in this film? Am I forgetting yeah. someone? The dog is the no. only thing that dies in this film. Yeah, the dog is the only thing that dies. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's harsh. It's uh, only a pet that dies. I would have preferred yeah. Robbie mid-piping to have been... Uh, <laughs> yeah. He broke, of... broke his neck mid-piping. <laughs> yeah, when he does turn up to pipe, doesn't he? It definitely yeah. does. Um, no, this, um, this part of the film is actually right, so... I I actually and th- these can always be a mixed bag for me, but I actually really quite enjoyed the kind of um, the, the the slow build of the film and the occasional touches of the Babadook, and I was quite interested in the film, seeing yeah. where it's going, and I liked how it was building through this grief and how this kept on rising up and how it was affecting their relationship and how it was making her snap and hallucinate. I really yeah. enjoyed those parts of the film. But this, my major problem with this film is this last part, the possession. Okay. I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy. I thought like the breaking of the dog's head. So far, I don't know. It, to me, it, it almost, it felt like you know, like that big kind of you know, you you work so hard to build these characters to then just have like a big old chase at the end kind of thing. It, it yeah. felt the possession part of it. I don't, to me, just felt very done. I felt like the Babadook could, I thought it was leading somewhere more interesting than just a possession. Um, it yeah. felt, like you said, the shining, you know, we've had this person slowly going crazy and we've had this lots of countless times other than the shining and we've had yeah. possession films. And I guess there was something maybe that I'd laid on a little bit extra in my mind thinking, I actually thought it might be a little bit more subtle in its build towards the end than this full yeah. on like mum's rage has fully come out. And I, I get, I do get the themes and the idea that, it's almost as if this full on, you know, like all of these things, the fear, the anger, the denial, it's all built up into this major yeah. or, or this is her full on breakdown. If you're linking it with the depression. Um, but I don't know. There was certain that just lost me. And I was quite invested at that point, not just before she got the possession of like, Oh, the dad's there. Like, where's this going? And then yeah, yeah that bit just kind of lost me. I didn't find the whole possession part to that. The bit when she's choking Sam is obviously really quite, you know, and when she kills Bugsby as well, those two parts are really like, yeah, those bits definitely work. But I don't know, for me, it actually felt like a bit of an anticlimactic. Like I kind of wished that she just stuck with where, like the kind of slow progression that we were building and maybe had something a little bit more just subtle than the possession. But let's go to the, the yeah. you were going to say about the choking. Well, I think that's, you know, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. 
the possession seems like it was kind of maybe the the obvious route or the route of maybe you know least resistance like we need to find a way we can kind of get get this to its 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 climax and we actually need to not only just deliver on horror but we need to deliver something big and maybe they thought well people might expect you know just Amelia fighting off the Babadook but they kind of thought well if we go for possession that way we can still keep the Babadook hidden for a bit and have it that you know the Babadook's finally got inside of her so I could see where they were coming from I just think I agree similar to yourself it's a bit like i don't know it, it just feels a bit yeah maybe anticlimactic is maybe the word because he does you know she chases him for a bit and then he just shoots her in the head with you know a ball yeah which they're out and then I mean, obviously she yeah it, it definitely like i said like because obviously one of the stages of, of uh grief and things like is the depression stage the full yeah. kind of it it taking you in kind of thing once you've got past those bargaining stages of like you've got the depression as well and that is kind of a major part of that comes before the final acceptance so yeah i mean it definitely works within the part of that i just kind of think when we had the bargaining with the father kind of thing i, I just think i actually i think i would have preferred the idea that instead of her being so drawn in by it she actually kind of that kind of gets close to that part of because I feel like depression kind of ran throughout anyway so it was yeah, kind it's, of a, it's it kind of lingered throughout kind of thing um I feel like that bargaining ending with the exception acceptance and then that making the Babadook more kind of come out in a more vicious way because she's denied what she, he expected to get from her yeah I, like I feel like I would have preferred that kind of, and the fact that the the acceptance comes through the fact that the mother and son had kind of had to come together to kind of defeat it a little bit more instead of yeah. it being the son almost has to basically home alone her until <laughs> until she, until she realizes and she fights it. You know, I, I guess you know it is her fighting through the depression in a very physical way. Um, yeah. It just I don't know there was, there was just and it also felt I don't know if it just me it felt very sudden. She went down there and then suddenly she was just in this full-on like erratic mode. And I don't know, it all felt very fast towards the end. It felt very it, sudden. It is very a bit fast. fast, isn't it? Well, I um, think it's it's got 94 minutes. So yeah. it, it's not the longest film in, in the world. It's no. kind of maybe even a little bit on the on the middle, short, middle to short end. If it if it was I when I think of short films, I think of anywhere from kind of 60 to around like 80 minutes you know if you're in the 80 mark 85 89 it kind of still feels a bit short whilst i would say a media a mid-length film is probably an hour and you know 40 minutes maybe and then a long film is probably you know nowadays breaks, a, long, a long film yeah. is ta- two hours and a half plus basically yeah it's kind of two <laughs> yeah it's two hours and 20 minutes plus so i think it's it 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 has a quite short runtime and it spends a lot of that laying the groundwork and laying the and laying the reasons why we should care about these characters and i think it does that really well but like you said once it gets to the end i think because they have to wrap it up it starts to feel a little bit rushed and just to kind of touch on the the depression theme that you mentioned which does kind of run throughout the whole film the the film itself is 
I try to think of a way I can put this without it being sounding like an insult, but it's a very depressing and ugly looking film. And I don't mean that in terms of like yeah. the way it's it's shot because it's shot beautifully and the cinematography is is top notch, but it's not a nice film to look at. Like visually, everything the the color that they use is very drained. It's very like light blues and light grays and it's you know it's, it's quite a ugly film to actually look at but that's that's clearly intentional to kind of make you feel what's going on on the screen yeah you know, everything is very muted and there's not much brightness and there's not much life and even the scenes we get during the day you know um, very kind of neutral tones almost so yeah, it's kind of, I definitely it's, agree with yeah. that. It, it, it yeah. definitely it's not a yeah, it's not I, it's not an amazingly beautiful thing to look at, definitely. No. And, it is, and I don't uh, mean that in the nice in a as an insult because it works in the film's favour. It's just yeah. you know, it's just an know. ugly film it's, to look it, at. This is not a, this is not and if you're someone who's listened to most of this and you haven't seen it or things like that, it's it's definitely it's not the kind of film that you want to watch if you're having a down day. It's not going to brighten your day, even even though there is a somewhat happy ending to this, it's definitely not the yeah. kind of horror film that's going to make you feel, it's weird to say horror films that make you feel better, but they can make you feel better yeah, in a odd way. But this is not one of them. This is one that's probably going to send you into more of a spiral. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to be honest. This is a, you know, there's a lot of triggering themes in this kind of film. Um, and, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a well-told story, um, but... It's definitely, um, as I said, I, I, I believe it kind of, it peaks. Um, it's definitely, I understand the cinematography, but yeah, I do agree with you on that kind of part, that it's not the, yeah. the nicest thing to look at. It's not the most enjoyable. It definitely works with the darker scenes, obviously, the hiding yeah. in the corners and the, the Babadook kind of hidden away, or can you notice him across the way kind of thing. Um, those bits are really effective in a very kind of um, Jaws or even say to like a Hitchcockian kind of um, suspense yeah. kind of way that you're only kind of getting little glimpses throughout the film. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a slow burner. So if you like a kind of dramatic kind of film based, then it's definitely going to be like people's tastes. Um, yeah, but it's a it's a hard it's a hard one to deal with. I I think I felt some. I think I liked the subtlety and the reality. Uh, because of personal kind of experiences, yeah, um, and I think that drew me more into the characters than necessarily the horror. And I will say that towards the end, there, yes, the the bit with Bugsy the dog is not nice and the choking, um, but I definitely felt I was more scared throughout the film when it was dealing with one the reality of life, and yeah. also just the slow little touches of horror. The Babadook was very scary. I felt that it was not really that scary once the whole possession part took over and it felt like we were kind of doing a possession, like a, a fight inside of Amelia. Yeah. It, it, I felt it also didn't work as like a scary ending. I don't, I, I think it could have been, a, I think the idea of those two being in the house and then considering to see these, like they're trying to escape their own kind of house, but they can't escape. And the idea they keep on, they're kind of trying to like, survive but they keep on seeing these touches or this creature that keeps on coming out but keeps on working in the shadows and they hear the noises around them and i think it could have been a very atmospheric ending instead of the full-on just like chase kind of thing yeah no i agree um but i think once we do you know once we do get um the once the possession is over you know which is 
you know, they're t- kind of tied in, into the basement and then, um, you know, Amelia starts strangling Sam and he says, you know, he starts kind of lovingly touching her face, you know, um, which is which was quite, you know, emotional because she was kidding him and he still loved her, you know. Uh, and that is ultimately what causes her to kind of expel the Babadook. And then we get the... I think there is a great line where, you know, you can't get rid of the Babadook. And I think that's where Amelia kind of uh, realises that she she has to accept the Babadook and she has to almost master it, which is obviously the the acceptance part of the yeah. grief, you know, the last stage. You, you accept what's happened and you learn to live with it. And the same with kind of mental health, you know, you so you don't ever kind of or at least in my kind of experience and my kind of views you don't ever you don't ever get rid of it you just learn to live with it and master it and i think that i think it is you know that ending is beautifully told where you know she chases the babadook and it retreats down into the basement um and then obviously if you don't mind kind of skipping to the very end where you know everything is better the relationship i I get the you get the impression that the relationship probably isn't isn't perfect but no for the first time we see amelia kind of actually being attentive to sam and actually loving and encouraging him and actually having a positive relationship and then they go and give worms to the babadook um (laughs) and yeah it's just i kind of love that it's this it, it is a it's a happy ending but it still kind of it is it, it gives the implication it's that implication is it it's the keeping the the depression or the grief at bay it's yeah. the idea that and, and I, I like that it's not it's not wrapped up in a neat bow it's not like oh we're so happy now it's all free and everything's yeah. gonna be fine forever it is that idea of literally like yes we're, we're doing better and it's it's better days yeah. But there could still be bad days ahead. There could still be days. And I think that's a very real kind of ending, which kind of raises, it, it does raise the bar of the, the, the themes and the idea of this film set. Because if it was suddenly going to be a film about grief and depression, then, then you're going to be like, ah, and after we've defeated it once, it's gone forever. It's never going yeah. back. And that would be a very untrue, unsatisfying kind of ending. If you see what I mean? It would. It would feel very Hollywood, wouldn't it? Where oh, the Babadook is now gone, this house is perfect and everything's great. But I kind yeah. I like the idea that, that she takes the Babadook, the worms, and it's that, you know, she has to control it and she has to kind of feed it and nurture this part of her because it is a, it's a part of the family now. And, yeah. it's, uh, and it's, as long as she keeps nurturing it and she keeps, you know, keeps it calm and keeps it at bay, it's going to stay there. But there is, like you said, there is the very real risk that if you neglect this and if you don't, you know, be mindful of it, it will grow and it will come back. And I think it's, yeah, I think as a, you know, as a a story, I think it's incredibly well told, which brings me to my question, Epa. Do you think it kind of is a must see horror because that's what this feature is. Must that see is, horror. yeah, it is a must. So, um, how yeah. do you feel it's must see? This is the uh, feature we're doing. Yes, uh, I, I do, I do think this is a must see horror. I, I, I think that this is one of the stronger in the last decade that we've had of these kind of films. And we've talked and said about like 
the the film category that this kind of could fall into for some people and things like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think that this actually tells a very real kind of story. And I do think as a piece of cinema, even away from just the horror genre, I think even if this was just their drama and we took out the yeah. horror elements and it was just about the depression and the grief, I still think this would be a very good film without even the horror. Um, so the horror elements but the horror elements add something to kind of raise those parts. As I said, like there are parts of the film that I do think kind of falter a little bit in that area. Yeah. But overall it, it does leave, and it, it's, it's a very good film. It's a very good relatable kind of um, film that I think anyone who's been in these kind of possession uh, positions of where they've seen people with depression or grief or those kind of things, or, or they've been a single parent um, they're going to relate to this film quite a lot, I think. Uh, it, a lot of it felt very real to me, um, and I think that was good. It did. It felt like they were very respectful of what it was, and as we just mentioned about the ending, I think the ending is gives a very strong impression for people that it is a daily battle, not not a one and done kind of battle. Yeah. This grief, this depression, it's it's a never ending thing. So I think that it gives a really positive as I can say, as positive as I can say that kind of message, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> positive from that light, that it, it gives the right message, doesn't try to muddle it, doesn't try to muddy the waters. Um, and it is only that possession part that I just think maybe brings it down a little bit. I think they almost hit a perfect run with this. I think, you know, it's like me saying The Shining, the bit where Jack chases them is like bad, but I think it somewhat worked in The Shining. I don't know why. I don't even know if it's a male or a female thing that I feel like in The Shining, because it was more related to the alcoholism than the depression, that I feel like the violence part worked better for me. Yeah. Whereas with depression, the idea of chasing and going mad, I don't think that that's, that, that was the part. It was the representation there that I, I don't quite think that's it. I feel like it would be more of a closed off thing than a full on violent outbreak. <laughs> you see what yeah. I mean? Like, and not to box it into that one area. I just mean like, I'm just relating it because we were talking a lot about The Shining and just saying, I don't know. I think in The Shining, it made more sense within the character's progression. And in this film, I think that that part is the only bit that slightly kind of brings it down. Um, how about you? Let's go to, let's go to Bobby. <laughs> um... I I feel like I'm kind of on the fence, to be honest with you. Um, in so the, obviously the first time I watched it, I thought it was incredible. The second time, the, I still I think don't get me wrong, I think it's a it's a great movie. Um, it's just I don't. It's that thing of would I say that this is must see horror? You know, that's the problem with me is. It's it's it has a lot of amazing themes and it has a lot of uh, amazing cinematography and the performances are great and the metaphors are incredible, but it and I hate to you know I don't like the term but the elevated horror um, it feels <laughs> like it's elevated horror done well and it has a lot of the the trappings of elevated horror as I just mentioned, but does it actually have any good proper scares in it and is there tension outside of the um you know the family drama i don't really know so i'm 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 on the fence to be honest i think i if i was if if the men came in now and they had a gun to my head and say is this messy horror i think i would say yes i think i would i would at least recommend people to watch it once but i could definitely see people watching it and going I didn't really enjoy it. I think if you're not 
somebody who enjoys character-driven horror stories if you are somebody who does prefer you know a lot more of the say a lot more of either the fun campiness of slashers or the constant kind of I think main, mainstream I'd say this yeah. is mainstream horror but no I would say it's like... a mainstream horror and if you and maybe if you preferred and if you preferred your supernatural films more bigger and grander like something like maybe the conjuring or insidious where the frights are a lot more peppered in I don't yeah. think it would be for you but I think yeah I think I would probably say it's musty horror just because of I how think, well it works. I think with Massey Horror, though, that you've got to have the range, haven't you? You've got to have the they've got yeah. to have the range of the different styles of horror. Like we don't, it, if we boxed our Masseys just down to our like more mainstream, then it's not a very good list. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, um, but, no, I, I definitely, but I definitely get where you're you're coming from. There is definitely going to be mixed expectations with this film. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, but I do think the 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 creation of the Babadook himself and the, the those moments like the bedroom scene and the, the kind of creeping lingering shadows i do think for some people will be like for, for most people would be like kind of terrifying kind of scenes and i think yeah. you said you were pretty terrified like scared the first time so i was but that but it's weird because i didn't remember a whole lot of the film so i thought yeah. going into it the second time i'd be a lot more scared but apparently that wasn't on the cards this time yeah um, just to go over to the social media lounge quickly. Uh, we only had one this time, and that was from uh, Karen Madarasi Whelan, um, who said that, you know, the little one's constant screaming drove her mad. Um, <laughs> and it was a, it was a, a semi-decent horror, six out of ten. But, uh, and I did say it was a lot slower than I remembered, and she did say, yeah, painfully slow at times. And I, I, would, I would agree, at times it is painfully slow. But I think... I would say stick with it and you'll have a yeah. enjoyable time. You know? It's definitely, it's definitely, like, it is definitely slow. Um, and at the same time, it is also, that's obviously on purpose. You yeah. Know, it, it's meant to be, it's the kind of film it's trying to be and the kind of reality it's kind of show is that life is like this, that it's yeah. meant to, because for a lot of the film, it is kind of, I think it's meant to show that life is kind of dull and slow and hard yeah. to process in the it's not a perfect thing kind of thing it is it is quite a dark kind of in that way you can see what i mean like there is a there's a very darkness to this film um, yeah that is not definitely 100 not going to be for everyone so it definitely would have worked in some ways as divisive <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah. yeah it's um it, it it's a hard one to say uh what what kind of uh what kind of rating she gave a rating what's your rating i would um... <laughs> I, I would give it maybe. These, a, these are things that can change over time. You may change your mind, but uh... they could change over time. But I would give it a a seven and a half. I think. I think it's a enjoyable film. I think it's a good film. I would rec. I would definitely recommend it to to watch it once. I think the musty horror films are some that you 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 have to watch once. You yeah. might not necessarily like it, but you tried it you know it's like it's it's like any it, kind anything it's any it's like any it's any list to be honest i i do believe that there is a thing that we can see a great film but i don't i don't actually believe that a, it's weird to say that a great film doesn't necessarily have to be a film that works like it might certain films might be great because that they only work for you the one time 
Yeah, they don't have rewatch value, and I think that's there's a lot of modern cinema greats to go away from like hundred when people say like the hundred greatest films ever made. But I do think there are certain ones of those on those kind of lists where it's like it is a great film, but it's not a film that I'm ever going to want to revisit because it was it was good. It was good for what it was, but it was a slow, you know, like, you know, like one of the really like Citizen Kane or Cleopatra, all these kind of really long films where it's yeah. like, it was great, but I can't say it's something I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to watch that weekly or I'm going to watch that every couple of years. It's like, I've seen it. I understand why it's a great film in many ways. Yeah. Um, but it's not for me. For some people, it will be that, you know, there are some people, there are people out there, as we said, things like, say, Midsummer. Um, there are things like Midsummer where it literally is, um, you can hear my dog running around in the background. Um, <laughs> um, there are certain things where, um, yeah, like, like say like Midsummer or Hereditary or things like that. There are certain people that love those kind of like slightly slower kind of like things and they'll watch them all the time. And that's your, yeah. that's your jam. It's definitely not my kind of jam. I definitely couldn't watch this film like repeatedly. No, um, but if you could, I ain't going to hold it against you, man. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Right, well, um, um, oh, uh, sorry, I didn't say my, um, I actually agree, I was thinking seven and a half, 7.5 was my thought in my head. <laughs> yeah, it seems yeah. like it's the best. It's, it's kind of that, I think, I think there's a few notches missed kind of thing, rewatch value and part of the third act that kind of bring it down a little bit for me, but yeah, overall, right. a good experience, yeah. yeah. Um, I think but, so far with all our rating, we've stuck around the seven point something kind of range. Yeah, we have, haven't we? Um, <laughs> We'll like, no, expand think... next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll go well, lower or way higher. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll watch an absolute bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see if there's an absolute one that it says is must-see, but we're like, that was shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that has been our uh, our must-see horror on the Babadook. So uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. As always, if you could hit the subscribe button, that would be great. It helps us grow. And if you could leave us a lovely review, it always helps. Uh Come and let us know what you thought of the Babadook. And if you think it's a must-see horror, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at CMDH Podcast. We will be on TikTok um, even if Elon Musk tries to strangle and kill it. Um, you mean whatever. Twitter? Twitter, that's <laughs> you it. You said TikTok. Well, just, to, just to jump in there, yeah. It, it's Elon Musk is going to strangle Twitter to death. Which he's going to strangle Twitter to death. Yeah, and then he may come for Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we will see you next week. Take care and goodbye.